Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. Last October, our beloved faculty member, Dr. Robert Smith, Jr., felt strange one Tuesday night after teaching a class. He went to the hospital where doctors determined he'd suffered a mild stroke. While Dr. Smith received a good and encouraging prognosis, he still had to struggle through an especially challenging season in which he was forced to stop teaching and undergo treatment. It has been a whole year now since Dr. Smith suffered this stroke, and we know that many of you have been holding him up in prayer. So Kristen and I thought that we'd have him on the show and let you catch up with him and God's work in his life. Kristen, Dr. Smith is well known to regular listeners, but I wonder if you might introduce him very briefly and get our conversation started. Sure. Thanks, Doug, and welcome everyone to the Beeson Podcast. Uh, Dr. Robert Smith, Jr. is the Charles T. Carter Baptist Chair of Divinity here at Beeson, where he teaches Christian preaching. He is the author of Doctrine That Dances and The Oasis of God from Morning to Morning. He's working on another project as we speak, um, very involved in the lives of our students. Uh, welcome, Dr. Smith, to the Beeson Podcast. Thank you, Sister Christian, Dr. Sweeney. Well, you are no stranger to the Beeson Podcast. I'm sure, if not all, most of our listeners know who you are. Um, and as Doug said, we wanted to talk to you about uh, what has happened in your life this past year. So I wonder if you could get us started by sharing about that significant health event and the circumstances surrounding it. Well, I've just celebrated um, a year since uh, the stroke last week, October the 6th. 2021 is when it occurred. I went over to the cafeteria of the school to have dinner that night and was sitting alone, enjoying the dinner. One of uh, my students, um, Jordan Cummings, wanted to sit and eat with me, and she did. The Lord sent her. Hmm. He really did. When we finished eating and got ready to um, take our dishes to the conveyor belt, and to empty the, um, the food and uh, the, the napkins and so forth and uh, the uh, garbage can, uh, I started to get up. And I knew something was wrong. Uh, uh, she went on ahead. And um, I started to walk, and I noticed my right foot uh, was dragging. Hmm. And I started going down the steps after I had uh, emptied the uh, utensils and so forth. And the back of my right uh, leg, the heel, wouldn't cover the uh, rung of the steps. Mm -hmm. So I knew something was seriously wrong. I did call my son, Robert III, who lives in Birmingham. And <laughs> he just told me, he said, uh, pack your bags, I'll be able to get you. And he took me to the UAB hospital. We sat there and filled out the papers, went to the emergency and stayed there for quite a while. In fact, stayed there until 5 o'clock the next day because they didn't have any uh, rooms available because of COVID. But they determined in the emergency that I had had a stroke, and they were concerned 
whether my whether or not my brain was bleeding. Uh, and so, um, after staying there for about a week, um, they determined the bleeding hadn't had stopped. I was able to walk and function and remember and all of that. And they I got transferred to Cincinnati where I live, and I was under my doctors there and under, as the dean has said, a lot of therapy and so forth, most of all under the care of my wife, uh, who's been a, a nurse for 50 years. So it was, um, it was, it was some occurrence, and, and I was attended to not only by physical um, health care agents, but my great physician, Jesus Christ, who cared for me. Dr. Smith, as Kristen and I were preparing to interview you today, Kristen remembered that over a year ago, just over a year ago, you preached in chapel a sermon called, Have You Been to Gilgal? I believe it was on Joshua chapter 4. That's correct. But in the midst of the sermon, you talked about um, difficult experiences you've had physically over the years. You shared hospital bracelets uh, as an illustration. You talked with the students about how we don't have time to waste and we need to take the time the Lord gives us uh, with, with seriousness and prayerfulness. We don't want to overinterpret that, but we were just wondering whether you think the Lord was preparing you even as you prepared to preach that sermon for what you were about to go through and, and what you think about can anybody be prepared for something like that? And if so, how should we be prepared for life's biggest challenges? Yeah. I often tell people that it is not wise to attempt to demystify the mystery of God, to unscrew the inscrutability of God, or to try to figure out, and I coined this term, the unfigureability of God. <laughs> but rather to listen to William Cooper, God moves in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform, he plants his footsteps on the sea and he rides on every storm. <laughs> and that last lyric, that last verse has these precious words. God is his own interpreter, mm. and he will make it plain. Mm -hmm. It's not plain to me. I can't interpret it. I, I live within the, in the envelope of mystery. I'm not sure I want to know. Mm. Um, I am sure that whatever happens, to me, does not happen incidentally or accidentally or coincidentally, but providentially. And there is a purpose for it, and I think this will increase my worship of God here, and particularly in eternity. Hmm. So I, it's, it is walking by faith. It is, um, it's God preparing me for what he's preparing me for. Hmm. And that is... Um, that is enough for me. I, uh, Dean, I, I, I was reading this. This is um, John Newton. It's a book written by Jonathan Aitken, and he says something. It's uh, just I'm almost done with it. It's been a, a great a read that has spoken to my soul. This is what he says. Uh, that is Jonathan uh, Aitken. He says. If anyone would tell you the shortest, surest way to all happiness, they would tell you to make it a rule to think 
and praise God for everything that happens to you. For it is certain that whatever seeming calamity befalls you, if you can thank and praise God for it, you will turn it into a blessing. Now, of course, this is not what the author said. This is what um, John Newton says. It's, all, it's as if Paul was saying, you know, in everything give thanks, uh, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. What it has done, it just helps me to understand that uh, God wants to know if I really uh, can praise him and serve him, not only on the mountain, but in the valley. I, I'm, I'm grateful that it has been a year. I'm grateful that I can be back with you and my Beeson family. I've never had a more uh, enjoyable, delightful ministry in 30 years of teaching than I've had uh, this year. Mm. That's a fact. Uh, and so it's on Kierkegaard, I, I quote that often because it's so true for me. Life must be lived forward, but it can, be only, it can only be understood backwards. You understand it in reflection. And I'm understanding some of it, but I will understand it better by and by. As you are understanding it, um, as you're looking back, um, I wonder if you can share with us um, one or more things that God has taught you uh, so far through this experience. Um, in what ways have you seen God at work in such a challenging time in your life? Sheldon Van Newkind, in his autobiographical reflection on a severe mercy, which is paradoxical, severe Two mutually exclusive statements meeting at the intersection of apparent contradiction to produce truth. It was a severe occurrence to be in that hospital bed not knowing whether you're going to hear mm, the necessity of having brain surgery or was it uh, an aneurysm or whatever. Mm. And yet it was mercy. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I'm not trying to be pious or spiritual. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. I don't mean just because of schedule. More than that, more than that. But uh, it, uh, it has deepened my joy, my faith, my commitment. Severe, but mercy. It has um, helped me to be more sensitized toward people who have crises. I've met more people with strokes. I've had people, oh, I don't know. It's as if God um, allows people to find their way to me and he gives me an opportunity to brag on Jesus. Mm. And so it's an opportunity, honestly, it's an opportunity to bask in the glory of God and to see, just to say how much God, um, uh, who doesn't need me, how much he loves me, desires for me to share in the ministry, because he does the work that he's called me to do. 
that's I mean that's that's I'm grateful I'm grateful for the uh, I I don't I would I I don't want to even think where I would be uh, had it not been for the stroke. Mm-hmm. I, I really mean that. Dr. Smith, I know well because I was working with you on this that. Uh, for quite a while after the stroke, you were under doctor's orders just to sit still. And uh, people who know you know that you don't like to sit still. Everybody who even knows about you knows that you're a a gifted, beloved preacher uh, who loves to open the Word of God for people. And you couldn't do that for a long time. You had to just lay in bed and, and get better. Yeah. Uh, and now things are starting to change a teeny bit. You're back in the classroom. You preached in chapel about a year uh, from the day of the stroke. Not exactly, but almost. That's true. How's it been for you? What was it like as a preacher, as a prince of preachers, not to be able to preach for a long period of time? And what's it like now on the other side of your recovery, just sort of getting back into things a little bit and getting back into pulpits? It helped me to find and to see and to know more clearer than I have ever before known where my real my real worth uh, is Hmm. like Zachariah who uh, for nine months couldn't preach because he didn't believe how how is this going to happen how is Elizabeth and I going to have a child she's old and I'm old of course he, he knew about Abraham and Sarah, but this can't be happening to me. And he is stricken with dumbness that he can't talk. What good is a preacher who can't talk? What good is a preacher who can't counsel? Hmm. He can't speak. At least for nine months. I don't know how soon she was pregnant after this incident. but uh, And so he had to just be silent and be still. That's one of the blessings of it. My worth is not in um, my ministry. No. My worth is in him. I had learned that. Hmm. I had to to come to understand that people who really love you love you for who you are to them, not for what you do. Like you, for instance, and like my daughter, Christian. And so silence was good for me. Hmm. Didn't like it, but uh, I learned. Hmm. Uh, everywhere I went, I had to get someone to take me. I don't like that, but I had to learn. And um, it was during that time that, um, you know, going back to the basics, just being a voracious reader of Scripture, just can't get enough of it having my appetite wedded uh, to the nth degree, all of those kinds of things. So again, finding just, just re- I knew it here, I knew it. 18 inches down to here, that's the longest journey in the world. 18 inches from head to heart. I had to, I had to learn about my heart. Mm-hmm. That um, your ability to do, God does not value you because of your ability to do anything. God loves you because God loves you. Simple as that. 
and he can't love you more and he can't love you less based upon your productivity. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. He just absolutely loves you. That's pretty good. Yeah. Amen. That is great news. Um, Dr. Smith, I know you to be a very humble person, uh, someone who wouldn't talk about receiving awards and such, but I'm going <laughs> to ask you to talk about <laughs> a recent award yeah, that you it, received um, from Baylor University's Truett Seminary for your global impact in Christian preaching. This is their legacy award. And listeners, I do have to tell you, he's already received a living legend award. So this is a, a second type award of such caliber. Um, tell our listeners about this award, Dr. Smith, and what it means to you. Um, thank you, Christian. I, I appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> I am undeserving, but I'm not unappreciative. That's an absolute fact. It's shocking. It's, I can't get out from underneath it. I'm still drowning, really, in um, the, the reality of it, that they would select me and to receive this uh, award, and uh, that they want to pay uh, recognition to uh, 56 years of preaching and 30 years of teaching and so forth and so on when there are literally hundreds of thousands who deserve it. Um, and I did. I, I said to the promoters when they called me about it, no, you need to give this to someone else who deserves it. And they wouldn't listen to me. It's true. It's very true. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just uh, overwhelming. And it's not a, an attempt to be modest at all. I'm just overwhelmed by it. Mm. And it's not anything I talk about very easily. So if you don't mind, I'd like to bring that to your conclusion. <laughs> that was good. We're, we're happy to brag on him, even mm -hmm. if he's not happy to brag on himself. And Kristen, I want our listeners to know that, uh, particularly those who are alumni, that Dr. Smith is going to say a few words by way of a devotional and a word of encouragement to alumni at our annual alumni conference banquet on Tuesday night, November the 8th. So please come back for that. But that's really Dr. Smith just a setup for asking you about this. Uh, I have only known you real well for a few years. I've known about you, heard you preach for many years, but you and I have been friends for just a few years. And as I've come to know you as a friend, one of the things that's impressed me the most deeply about you is the heart you have for your students. Uh, I don't think I've ever met anybody who pours as much love and time and prayer and concern into each and every student as you do. So on this side of your stroke, tell us what this means to you to get back in the classroom, <laughs> to have all these alumni come and reconnect with you and share fellowship with you. What is your teaching ministry and what are the students who are part of your teaching ministry mean to you? Well, they mean everything. Um, I don't want my students to be Robert Smith clones. Christian is one of them. I don't want that. But I do want to write into their lives. Um, they represent books to me that 
I want them to be able to go back and read. Uh, when I'm in heaven, I want something that's permanent. I, I tell them this is not a class, this is an experience. And if, if you're not transformed by the experience, then this class has failed. Hmm. If you leave this place after so many weeks of teaching and you leave unchanged, unchallenged, unaffected, uh, unstretched, then this class has failed. So it's important to me to get to, to really do three things. I say the very first day of class, number one, I am not going to be sneaky. I want you to know I want to be your pastor. So that's the first thing. I tell them that I want to be your pastor. Second of all, I want to be uh, your friend. If I can be your pastor and friend, I'm confident the Lord will help me to be your professor. But I want to be your pastor first, which for me means I want you to know me and I want to know you. And whatever you're going through, we have a student right now who uh, will be teaching, well, who, who taught today. Class prayed for her, and I've been praying for her. She's out in Denver, Colorado. I've called her and uh, prayed for her and written her and so forth. I want to be involved in their lives, not for some kind of prestigious um, recognition uh, or to be talked about. They're my family. And most of all, I've got to give an account to God for how I have stewarded them. That's, that's, that's it right there. Hmm. So when they leave this experience, I want them to, um, to leave knowing that they've been with Jesus and that they have had more than a class. I want to teach them something that you can't find in books. Hmm. That's what I want to do. So that's, um, that's really it, my accountability to God and, and my desire that they will be changed, uh, not so much by the subject matter, but by the atmosphere that um, they come in contact with so that every time, I, I, don't want a, I don't want a student to have to come to class. I want a student who can't keep from coming to class because they expect God to move. That's, that's, that's it. Well, as your former student, I can testify that everything that Dr. Smith has said, listeners, is indeed true. And he is invested in the lives of his students long after they graduate. And I am so grateful to be one of those who um, receives that blessing from you, Dr. Smith. Uh, thank you for being so vulnerable uh, with us on the show and open and, and sharing with us about uh, your struggles, health struggles, and what God has been teaching you through this difficult time. Uh, we typically ask um, our guests at the end of the show to share something that the Lord has been teaching them recently. You've shared um, uh, what the Lord has been teaching you recently already. So I'm wondering if you could speak now to those listeners who are going or have recently gone through a trial of their own. Perhaps they've also gone through a health challenge or they have a loved one, a spouse or a child who has gone through a health challenge. What uh, word from scripture and encouragement can you share with them as we end the show, perhaps even a word that you yourself have received from the Lord this last year? Mm -hmm. I, I would say to our, our listeners, to see a crisis not as 
a sentence that ends with a period. But as one that has been somewhat interrupted by the pause of a semicolon. Because a semicolon does not state termination, but hesitation, pause, suspension, temporarily. And then we go on. It's almost a time of rebounding to complete the sentence. That may mean, it doesn't always mean recovery, delivery in this life. But those who believe in our Lord Jesus will eventually experience, like all of us, deliverance. The former things will pass away. Death will be no more. And though God is able uh, to do anything, he may not choose to do it for whatever reason he chooses to. However, for believers, there will come deliverance. So I don't want to give people false hope. No. Our hope is not in our healing. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's, that's really it. So I want to be able to, um, you know, all of us are going to experience it. But those of us who have hope in Christ, take that period that would seem to end um, your life or end your circumstances uh, in a negative way. Don't get rid of the period. Keep the period there and give a little space and put a little comma underneath it, which makes a semicolon. You need the period for testimony. Mm, that's what happened to me. But then I put a comma underneath it, and now instead of a period, you have a semicolon, and it means continuation. Can you go on beyond that point? That's what I want to say. Friends, you have been listening to Dr. Robert Smith, Jr., he is the Charles T. Carter Baptist Chair of Divinity here at Beeson Divinity School, where he teaches Christian preaching. He is the author of a number of uh, very important books and articles, including Doctrine That Dances, The Oasis of God, From Morning to Morning, and a fantastic new commentary in the book of Joshua that's coming out later this year. We thank you for joining us. We thank you, Dr. Smith, for being with us and today. We love you, and we love our love listeners. And we say to them, Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at BeesonDivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes.